As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, you ready? Let's go. From Fox 4 News in Kansas City. Are we rolling? Are we on? Hello. I'm Nick Vassos. (laughs) This is Signal Hill. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Signal Hill. I'm Fox 4's Lauren Halifax. Nick Fassos is on vacation. We've been tracking the coronavirus as cases have spread across the U.S., now reaching both the Kansas and the Missouri side of our Kansas City metro. There's a lot of misinformation out there, and it's important to get real answers, sorting out fact from fiction. The virus is affecting nearly every aspect of our lives. So what do we really need to do to stay as safe as possible? I sat down at Signal Hill with Dr. Michael Schaffe, He's an emergency medicine physician to get some answers. Here's the interview. The state of Kansas has just reported its first death from coronavirus. The victim was a man in his 70s. He was living in a long-term skilled nursing facility. He went into a hospital for cardiovascular symptoms. And after he died, they tested him because he had a fever. Turned out he had coronavirus. So the governor of Kansas has announced the, uh, the, the state is under a state of emergency now. We wanted to talk with a doctor, a physician. This is Dr. Michael Schaffe. You specialize in emergency medicine. That's your thing. For how many years? 27. 20 something. I, uh, don't make me take Lots my shoes of experience. Out of Yes. And you've worked with St. Luke's Health System. I have worked with St. Luke's Health System, yes. So this is something that you've been following for quite some time. We want to talk about some of the questions our viewers have presented. To, some confusion, maybe some myths that are out there, just to clear some things up for people. Sure. So let's start out with one of the most common questions we get. How is this version of coronavirus transmitted? How does this spread? Well, we know, like with other viruses, you can get it from droplets and sneezing and things on on counters. But what we're seeing with this virus is it is airborne also. And actually, a study just came out today or yesterday that it can remain in the air for up to three hours. So in my opinion, this is more contagious than regular flu. And just being around someone uh, for for several hours, you can catch this virus. So it's, it's, it's really a highly contagious virus as we're seeing. Tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of steps can people take? What sort of precautions do you want? We've talked about coughing into your elbow, sneezing into your elbow, washing your hands a lot. Anything else? It's the same thing as common flu. You you know, right, cover your mouth, use tissues, wash your hands frequently, decrease, you know, contact with other people. Uh, Some of the current recommendations are to, you know, try to maintain a distance of six feet. Um, You know, it's just good common sense. Use common sense uh, and, and... you know, minimize your contact with other folks, especially if somebody has symptoms, if somebody's sneezing, coughing, has a fever. If you have those, you don't want to go out and, 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 and be in public a lot. Try to minimize your contact with other people. What about at home? If you can get this through the air that you breathe, but also surfaces that other people touch, you might be sick. Mm-hmm. Basic, do you need to step up your cleaning, antibacterial products? What do you recommend for people? Well, you know, in your own home, if somebody is sick, yes, you want to really step up your cleaning, your hand washing, uh, and, and, you know, 
you can get this through airborne. So what I would say is if you're out and about, wash your hands extensively. Make sure, you know, if you're in healthcare, you definitely have to do that. If you're around other people uh, uh, at the office and things, be cognizant of the fact that if you are coughing or sneezing, that, that you're trying to do it to where you're not producing it up in the air. Get a box of tissues if you don't have one. Keep it at your desk. Use it if you need. You talked about the symptoms, the coughing, the sneezing. It is springtime, and a lot of us have allergies this time of year. Colds are going around. What sort of symptoms do you really need to be concerned about? You know, that's the big problem with this, is that the, the, this, this virus acts like flu. Uh, with a fever, mm -hmm. you can have a cough, you can have uh, about up to 30% of people have some shortness of breath. The aches and pains. Body aches. And, and that's why it's so hard to determine uh, uh, which is which. There's not one defining symptom for coronavirus. So, uh, you know, you've always, it, it's, you don't see sneezing with this. So, you know, itchy, runny eyes, you know, you've got your allergy symptoms. But I think the main thing the public needs to be aware of is don't sit there and ruminate about, oh, could this be coronavirus? Handle it like you would influenza. If you're not bad sick, you know, treat your fever, drink plenty of fluids, good hygiene, and avoid potentially uh, contaminating other people. It's hard to say one symptom is only for coronavirus because okay. it's not. So what we're seeing in the data coming out of China and, and some of the research is that the most common symptom is fever. 89% of patients who are hospitalized get fever. Well, that, what does that mean? means the other percent don't ever get a fever. So it's common to get fever, body aches, cough, uh, and you know, rarely you can see some in gastrointestinal symptoms with most folks, but those are pretty rare. So you start to see the symptoms, you're concerned about it, what do you recommend people do at that point? I think you should do what you should do if you think you have the flu. Go ahead, treat your fever, Tylenol ibuprofen, Every about every six to eight hours, stay ahead, get ahead and stay ahead of the fever and the body aches. Mm -hmm. If you're significantly short of breath or if you have other heart problems, lung problems, call your doctor, discuss with them. Uh, don't necessarily run to your nearest ER. Treat it just like you would a bad cold or if you have influenza. Now, at what point do you go to the ER? You've got complicating health factors? I think the time to go to the ER is, you know, if you do have complicating health factors and you're significantly short of breath or you're significantly lightheaded or you're feeling real bad or if your doctor sends you there. Okay. Most physicians, we're, we're not wanting to send everybody to the ER because it's going to become overwhelmed. We don't want to overwhelm the hospitals. No, and if you don't have the coronavirus, you don't want to go to the place where everybody who does have it is going to be. Right. So, you know, we want those folks who have, uh, you know, heart, lung problems, uh, diabetes. We, we want to keep them out of the ER if possible. But significant difficulty breathing, significant symptoms uh, uh, like severe cough, uh, if, if you're having a headache that's causing you to be confused. The same symptoms that would normally drive you to the ER should drive you there now. Now, if you have some of these other conditions, if you have diabetes or high blood pressure, do you need to be extra careful with this, extra cautious? We do see a higher incidence of mortality in folks with diabetes and high blood pressure. Um, but that doesn't mean there's something we can do in the ER for you. Because if you're in the ER and you happen to have hypertension and you happen to have diabetes, but we also think you might have coronavirus, the treatment's gonna be the same for you as if you had influenza. 
or a common cold. Who is most susceptible? Right now, the people that are most susceptible are really those over 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 60 years of age. We see an increase in the mortality with age, 60, 70, 80, and, and the mortality goes up, especially with comorbid conditions. What are comorbid conditions? Those are things like heart disease, significant heart disease where you're on one or two medications, uh, 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 emphysema, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, uh, chronic lung conditions, the diabetes patients who are having trouble controlling their insulin, uh, or anything else that might cause a person's immune system not to be real robust. If you have some of those things but you're under that 60 age cutoff, more, again, do they need to be concerned? Keep a special eye out? Pick up the doc phone and call the doctor sooner rather than later? I think you should only call the doctor at this point if you're feeling worse than you would with a normal cold or flu. If you would normally call the doctor because you're having symptoms and you're concerned about how you're feeling, call your doctor then. Okay. Uh, we're Again, springtime, warmer weather is approaching. Does that help with a, a virus like this? Does that improve conditions for people? We're really hoping so. I mean, really, we're hoping so because with, with previous uh, 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 Corona-type viruses, the SARS and the MERS, we did see it decrease when it was warm. Some of our research shows that in hotter temperatures, the virus will die off in just a matter of hours. Uh, but we don't have enough data to, to know that for sure. But we're hoping that with warmer weather, just like influenza, with influenza, warmer weather causes the virus not to survive outside your body as long. We just don't have any data that says the warmer weather is going to affect it that much yet. Okay. So still something that we'll see yeah. about. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, we talked about at-risk groups. Talk to us a little bit about um, testing. Does, how much of a difference does the test make? Does that really help the health department to track what's happening and where? The testing is good to have available. And initially in the initial phases of a pandemic, you want to get the testing out there to kind of monitor how quickly it's spreading, who's getting it, uh, are we seeing really that high mortality rate. However, uh, with influenza cases, I don't always test somebody in the ER for it. If they have the symptoms and they don't have any other medical problems, the test won't change the treatment. So. You know, there's a lot of and there's a lot of information in the news about we don't have enough tests out there. Well, there's enough tests out there. There will be more tests. But the real question is, who should you test? I'd like to test the patients where it's going to change our management. People who are at risk, I want to test because we keep a closer eye on them. Okay. The healthy people, I'm not necessarily going to run the test. I'm going to tell them, presume you have it, just like flu. You wouldn't go to grandpa's house with the flu, would you, and give him a hug and a kiss? Well, if you have a bad cold, whether it is or isn't the coronavirus, you know, when you're sick, avoid those folks at risk. And at this point in time, with coronavirus starting to become more prevalent, I believe it may impact and hit 50% of the population within the first year, year and a half. We, we need to be responsible when we're sick and avoid those people who are at highest risk. That's the take home point here. I'm really afraid that there's a lot of fear out there of just getting it because healthy people, it, 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 it's, it's a 0.9% mortality rate in healthy people under 60. So what I want people to know is don't think you have to get tested just to get peace of mind. 
those who need the test are the ones we want to keep a close eye on and or help people know if they have it, how long to avoid being around somebody else who might get sick with it that will have a bad outcome. Well, let's talk about that part then, how long you need to be away from people, the timing issues. We're seeing a lot of events canceled, a lot of schools right. are going to have spring break, but then they're talking about distance learning when they get back. How much time, realistically, do you need to stay away from your aging parents or from anybody else in order to protect them? Well, what we know is we, we are seeing the virus still in some uh, respiratory secretions and things in patients up to three weeks out. That's not everybody, though. Okay. So some of the patients who are in quarantine, they're testing them daily until they have two negative tests 24 hours apart. Okay. So we don't know exactly how long we think it's there. We think that from the time you're exposed to it to the time you get sick is averaging about four or five days. Then once you're sick with it, we think about a week mm -hmm. and that most of the people will still be uh, uh, able to spread the virus for at least 72 hours. We don't know for sure, but I would say if you wanna be sure, if you don't get tested for it and you were sick, Avoid anybody at the high risk, the upper age, people with uh, bad medical conditions, for two weeks from the time you get sick. And if you're not sure, you know, you can call your doctor and see and ask them because some of this data is still evolving and coming out even today. So as depressing as it might be that all of these different events right. are being canceled, St. Patrick's Day, sporting events, spring break for some people now who can't travel, just hang in there because we're looking at, you know, Absolutely. You know, really important. The, the real take home point here needs to be don't get panicked about getting it. Get panicked about making sure you don't give it to somebody that might have a fatal outcome. That's what we need to do. I think we really need all of these things we're doing need to decrease the transmission to those who are at most risk until we can get a vaccine in, in a year or 18 months for those folks and decrease their mortality. We need to be responsible individuals when we're sick, whether it's coronavirus or not. You know, if you have a bad cold, you still don't want to go around somebody who has it. So if you're not sure if you have it, we need to avoid those folks. So I think all of these things we're doing is going to hopefully slow down the initial spread. We can keep the most vulnerable as isolated as possible so they won't get it. We can decrease the death rate that way as we're getting new treatments, new medications and or vaccines. But this is not going to pass soon. Realistically, we need to be prepared to take those same precautions for the next year, year and a half. It's the same precautions we should be taking every year with flu. We've had 16,000 deaths from H1N1 back in 09. Mm -hmm. This year, we've had up to almost, you know, 16, 18,000 deaths from flu, just flu. So it's doing the same thing we should have been doing all along. Good hand washing. I've never seen people wash their hands any more than I've seen recently. It's great. Everybody's talking about it. But the thing we need to avoid is fear for the basis of being scared itself. Take that fear and make you think about it all the time. Be responsible, not getting out there with, you know, being irresponsible for putting yourself out with people who might be sick. My parents live next door to me. And, and, and they're, they're over 70, but I'm not gonna go past that. I literally told them, hey, my wife's also an emergency physician. I said, I don't think we'll be coming over as much because we're probably gonna get exposed to it, whether we get bad sick or not. I don't wanna transmit it to you. Right. And that's part of the problem. The majority of cases we're seeing 
actually are mild to moderate. We don't get bad symptoms. I think one of the greatest things I saw was that the Tom Hanks put out there that, hey, we felt a little bit bad, nothing real big, we have it and we're doing the next right thing. So literally I went to my parents' house and said, guys, I may end up being a carrier of it if I'm not bad sick, so we're gonna minimize our contact for a while here. Because they have comorbid conditions and they might get sick and so that's just being responsible. So, you know, at this point it's mild, symptoms, moderate symptoms. You may have it and be able to transmit it to somebody, but not know it. So if, are we gonna be able to test everybody in the country? No. So hopefully this information getting out there isn't gonna just stoke the fear. Hopefully it's gonna stoke responsibility to recognize, hey, I don't need to give this to somebody else. This does have a higher fatality rate or mortality rate than regular flu. So, okay, let's be responsible. The fact that I can't see basketball on TV reminds me, maybe I shouldn't go over uh, to the neighbor's, the, you know, my elderly neighbor's house, or maybe I ought to be, if I'm sick and have a cold and a fever, I'm not gonna go visit grandma at the nursing home. I, I think that's really the goal. I hope that the public gets out of some of this information. So if you're feeling healthy, still safe to go to restaurants, go to church on the weekends, get out and live your normal life. Absolutely, if you are sick, if you're, if you're running a fever, if you're having a runny nose, a cough, significant shortness of breath, uh, or just like any cold, at this point, if, we can't get, if you can't get tested to confirm whether it is or isn't flu or coronavirus, be responsible. That's the main thing where we're trying to minimize this because what we don't want to have is one person who's irresponsible, who goes to places they shouldn't go and gives it to people who are at risk. So, this is also a call in for those who are at risk to avoid public places as much as reasonably possible. Okay. Anything else you want people to know? I, I, I think the panic, don't panic. You don't have to run out and buy all the toilet paper at all the stores. You don't need to buy up all the bottled water. You need to recognize this is like a bad flu. You need to be responsible and those at risk, we need to be cognizant about them. Thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Dr. Michael Shafe with St. Luke's Health System.